today. We've got Karen from Marketing Words who's going to give us some game-changing techniques on how to make an Amazon listing, everything from the title to the bullet points to the description to EBC, even some tips on how to make an eBay listing. So make sure to stay tuned to this episode. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton. And one thing that I get a lot of questions on and that people use Helium 10 for is making the listing. A lot of people use scribbles to make the listing, but it doesn't matter that you have the greatest, you know, listing tool in the world, Scribbles, but if you're just putting junk into it, it's not going to matter. So today I have Karen with me who is going to tell us all about how to make the best listing. She is a professional copywriter. This is what she does for a living. Guys, Karen, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Great. Good to talk to you again, Bradley. Excellent. You too. Where are you located again? I forgot. Marketing Words is in South Carolina. South Carolina. All right. How's the weather over there right now? Uh, Not bad. We've had a monsoon lately. It has been raining for about eight days straight. So all of us are ready for some sunshine. Uh, Don't have it today, but at least the rain stopped. Okay. That's, that's good to know. That's good to know. So speaking of sunshine, we want to talk about how to have the best sunshine in our listings, you know, how to, how to have great, you, you like that segue there, you know, no. <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm just thinking of this on the fly. I can't, I can't BS a, a copywriter here, uh, but anyways, all right. So, but, but that kind of is true, you know, like sometimes listings that just look like they're all keyword stuff, you know, it's not yeah. exactly sunshine, you know? So we, ha- we have to have some brightness in, in our customers' lives in order to make that emotional yeah. connection. So let's just go back a couple steps. I just mentioned the word keyword stuffing. I'm sure that's uh, one of the biggest mistakes that you feel that other sellers make. But what are some common mistakes that you see Amazon sellers making when they're writing their listings? Well, you're right. Keyword stuffing is one thing. And uh, most sellers tend to have an eye toward listing optimization, which is a vital part of selling on Amazon. But the problem is Amazon has never one time whipped out a credit card and purchased anything from you. They might have paid you if they accidentally destroyed or lost your inventory, but they're not your customer. So while you do have to make them happy in order to, to show up in the top of the search results, You also have human beings that have the money that you're looking for, and you have to make them happy too. So one of the biggest problems is the lack of balance. Oh, you know, hold on. I got to interrupt you right there because I'm just almost having goosebumps on my arms here because this is something (laughs) I love it when other people without even me, you know, like cueing them, like say these things because people sometimes think that this is all just me, but I I keep trying to tell people, people get so obsessed with, oh, I've got to be relevant to Amazon and I've got to, I've got to make Amazon happy. And yes, like Karen said, that is true. I mean, you're trying to use a keyword that is completely irrelevant to a category. Actually, Amazon won't even index you. So yes, to a point, you do need to make Amazon happy, but I love how Karen put it. They're not the one, Jeff Bezos is not going to whip out his credit card and buy your product because you made Amazon happy. You've got to make the buyer happy. So yep. con- continue. I just had to like give you a shout out right there. Cause that was great. <laughs> no, that's all right. We get that a lot. Uh, marketing words is a copywriting agency. We do all kinds of online copy. So we get the same thing with writing copy that's designed to rank with Google. We get the same thing with all sorts of other platforms. So it's not exclusive to Amazon sellers. Don't, don't feel bad if you're a seller going, wow, you know, is this only me? No, 
anybody that has basically two audiences that you're trying to serve, some sort of a search engine, and also human customers, you've got to strike that balance. If you don't, if you get too focused on, in this case, Amazon, then you tend to not only through keyword stuffing, but just through a lack of connection, you don't strike that balance and you won't convert as well. The other thing is, and this is vital in order to have the balance, is so many Amazon sellers uh, are only interested in selling a product, making money. And I get that. But when you decide that you're going to private label a product that you know absolutely nothing about and you don't have an understanding of who those customers are and you can't provide any information or you don't collect any information if you're going to write the listings yourself, then you miss a really huge opportunity to make a connection with that buyer. And that's one of the things that people stumble with all the time. Well, I don't really care who it is. I just want to sell my set of plastic cups or whatever it is that the seller has. But you'll be able to do that much better if you understand who the people are the moms, the dads, the grandparents, and whatnot that are buying this set of children's plastic cups. Um, what else? Um, so that's kind of like making sure you know your customer avatar. Exactly. And it's, it's not just for the brand itself or the entire brand, but for the products that you're selling. I mean, you may have a brand where you're doing, you're focusing on uh, unique housewares or something like that. And one of the things you sell is this set of children's plastic cups, but then you also sell uh, some pretty snazzy crystal barware or stainless steel barware um, for adults to use when they're making their drinks. And the two audiences, the two segments of that overall household audience is extremely different. You would not use the same techniques or the same verbiage to sell plastic children's cups that you would to sell crystal wine goblets. So it's very product specific, even within a brand. And since you mentioned brands, uh, that's another thing that I'll bring up is that tons of sellers that are trying to push push forward and become a well-known company, a recognized brand. They're not, they don't have a brand profile. So everything they do is sporadic. Some of their listings may include language that is entirely different than other listings. There's no um, cohesiveness, I'll say, with the language that they're using with the words that they're using, when you create a brand profile, all of these things come into play. Not only the colors that you want in your logo and what, uh, what kind of pages you're going to put on your website and things of that nature, but the way that you communicate with customers. What type of image do you want to portray? Do you want to be funny like uh, Ben and Jerry's? Do you want, or Motel 6, you know, all of those make you laugh and whatnot. Do you want to be upstanding and innovative and highly respected like Apple or Anchor? Uh, those companies, you won't find them making jokes in their copy or trying to be humorous in their copy. They have a brand image that carries all the way through from the logo that they created and the colors that they use through the 
each individual word that's chosen for their particular listings or their home websites. Interesting. So taking a couple steps back, we were talking about the mistakes. So we have people trying to keyword stuff. We have people who are inconsistent with their brand image. You also mentioned not knowing your customer avatar or targeting the wrong demographic for products. What are there like, are, are there shortcuts that you see people taking that, that is going to bite them in the butt later on with their, with their Amazon sales? Um, yes, a lot of people will try to take shortcuts. They'll write just very short, uninformative bullets. And I realize that there are places in Seller Central where Amazon says their recommended bullet length is 80 characters. There's a page in Seller Central or a couple of them that talk about studies they've done and whatnot. Those are really old. I know right now Amazon in a lot of categories in uh, at a product is showing a preferred 100 character bullet length, but I disagree. So what's your preference? What, what do you usually do? do? Do you have a set guide based on the category or? Well, typically just overall, we recommend around 200 characters per bullet that's not carved in stone. And it does depend on the type of product and whatnot. If it's something very basic, um, that doesn't, you know, it's well known, it doesn't require a lot of information, then shorter bullets, absolutely. We had uh, a client the other day that had a brand new product he was bringing to market. And while there were some things that were kind of similar, the whole concept was really unique and it required a lot of education. So we actually went a little past 200 characters per bullet to try to get that information and and bring people up to speed because it was going to be a learning experience as well as a buying experience. How about the title? What I kind of tell people, everybody who asks questions about the bullet points, about the title and length and stuff, I'm like, guys, we sometimes think too much as sellers. We've got to put ourselves in a buyer's shoe and all of us buy on Amazon. And what about you? When you, when you see, you know, I'm talking to somebody, I was like, when you see a listing, you're trying to shop for something and you see a 200 character long title, you know, how does that look to you? Or what if you only see a 20 character link title? So I think a lot of us don't put ourselves in the buyer's mentality. Now you would know the best of what converts, but what about title? I doubt you're doing 200 or 250 character titles. Are you? Well, 250 character titles will get you put in the suppressed category. Mm -hmm. I absolutely cannot stand that Amazon still has places in seller central that says you can go up to 250 characters while they still have that suppression policy in place that they started in what, 2016, somewhere around in there. But even, even if they allowed it, you probably wouldn't ever suggest that somebody gets even near that, that level, right? Well, yeah, actually, in some cases we do. Interesting. Uh, And what, and what kind of cases would that be? Again, if we have things that are, uh, a new learning experience for the customer, if we have products that are sold that are really competitive and you have to have the extra space to be able to. Now I'm talking about the title, not the bullet points here. Are we talking about the same thing? Oh, title. Title. Wow. Title. See, I love it. I love getting new insight because I never, for me, it's like, ah, man, I don't want to have too much of a a title because it looks like I'm keyword stuffing, but you're saying sometimes you have to kind of, there's edu- there's an educational aspect in it. If somebody's only looking at the title, they really need to see something in order to know what the product is about. Is that kind of what you're talking exactly. about? Right. And that's your ad. I mean, you get a picture, you maybe get a, a couple of little snippets from the, 
the bullets or something like that that show up. You get the stars for the review and what have you. But those words that show up in a portion of the title on the search results page, that's essentially your advertisement on that page to get people to click to read the rest of what you're selling. So it's very important to be complete. Um, I personally, as a shopper, don't respond well to short titles. There's not enough information there to tell me what I need to know. Interesting. Okay. But see, testing is so important. That's that's why you test. I mean, we give um, our clients two different, a short one that's 100% compliant with Amazon's terms of service for that category, and then a longer one. So they can test the two of them and see which one converts better. But they do split testing to see how one, how many clicks one gets, maybe how many converts. And then usually there's always a, a clear winner, right? When, when you split test a couple different titles. Um, when we have done it, yes, that's not a service that we provide. So most of our clients are doing this on their own. And I, I don't know if they're using Splitly or they're just going in, you know, leaving it up for two weeks or however long and going back and looking at the, the stats and the business reports to see what that is. But I can tell you that the overwhelming majority of them will come back to us the next time and say, I don't need the short title. Just give me the long one. Nice. Okay. What kind of details are you putting in a title? I know some, you know, like let's say somebody's in the supplement category, but they, they put like, you know, five servings, 33 milligrams. I'm like, do, do you put the, the serving size and things like that there? Or is it strictly mainly, you know, education and description of the product? No, you've got to have all the other stuff in there too. Those are what I call uh, decision-making uh, elements because if somebody doesn't know that your vitamin C also has magnesium or vitamin D or whatever a combination would be. I know that's probably not a, a good thing to include, but um, if that's not in there and they just think it's straight up vitamin C with nothing else, they may not pay attention to it. If they don't know how many pills are in the bottle, then your price point that shows up could look really high compared to somebody else's price point. Maybe yours has 240 in a bottle and the other one only had 80. So all of these things, if it's, uh, if it's clothing, the material, the fabric, if it's housewares and something like that, uh, people need to know if it's dishwasher safe, if it's microwavable, if it's BPA free. Mm, I mean, there mm -hmm. are certain things that, that people are going to be looking for and they need to see those before they're going to move. So while all of that isn't going to fit into a title, you pick and choose the ones that you believe are gonna be most important to your customer. And again, it goes back to testing. If it's not working out well, you go back and you switch it up. You know, okay, so BPA-free wasn't a big deal to them. Maybe the fact that these are manufactured in the USA is a big deal to them. Um, a lot of this, is easier to do if you do have a lot of information about the shopper for that individual product, because uh, then you could have a better idea of what's vital to them and what is not vital to them. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Completely changing gears. Something just popped up into my mind. Emojis in bullet points. Yes or no? No. All right. And why not? To me, they look spammy. I don't know that they increase conversion rate a whole lot. They might a little bit, but most importantly, it's against Amazon's terms of service. 
And while I do have an area or two where I'll walk in the gray section when it comes to terms of service on certain things, uh, I've seen people get slapped for it and including that, including emojis in the description too. So it's not my recommendation that you use them. Okay. How about indexing in the description? I've heard that, you know, up and or actually bullet points in description. I've heard that in the past up to like a thousand characters total only get indexed in the bullet points. Have you ever done testing on that? Or do you have a, do you go by any rule of thumb like that so that you make sure you don't surpass overall a certain character limit in the bullet points? We don't try to limit uh, the whole thing so that we don't surpass a certain limit because again, yeah, we want to have the information indexed, but we have to provide the information that will also get human beings to convert. So we will make sure that the most important information and the bullet with the most important key phrases is first. And then we walk down the scale from there. The second one is is second important to the customer and the keywords in the third is the third important and so on. Um, if we do testing or if somebody, you know, asks us to create additional bullets and they want to rearrange them or do testing on that and whatnot, we'll keep that stuff in mind when we do that as well. Okay. How about EBC listings? Do you have different copy strategy for the description as opposed to the description that comes up in EBC? It depends on what the EBC section is supposed to look like and what the client wants it to do. I mean, obviously it wants it to sell, but uh, again, if it's something very basic, then we would probably reuse the standard description copy for the most part in the EBC section. But if it's something elaborate that requires a lot of description and or a lot of education or a lot of differentiation, then there wouldn't be enough space in the 2000 characters of the standard description to use that anyway. You'd have to expand on it to fill all the space that's required. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, one question I have is about making an emotional connection. Now, th this is what I teach, you know, my, my students and the people I talk to. So you being a professional can let me know if I'm, if I'm giving them a bunch of my initials BS, or if this is actual good, if this is actual <laughs> good knowledge. So basically in my mind, I mean, this is, this is really just generalizing it, but there's like two kinds of customers who shop on Amazon. There's the person who already knows exactly what product they want. You know, they saw yep. something on TV. And right. so they actually search for that Nike shoes, you know, Air Max shoes. Balenciaga, mm -hmm. whatever. And all they care about is they're just finding that item on Amazon so they can get to two day shipping. They don't care about the title. They don't care about the reviews. They want to find it and they're, they're going to order it. But yep. the other kind of customer is the kind that private label sellers are trying to get. And that's the kind of customer who is not married to exact product, but they're actually just searching for, Hey, best shoes for the club or something. And they're basically open to whatever they see and they might only click on three or four listings. And like me again, putting myself in a buyer's hat, I'm looking, I, I'm going to stop looking once I'm caught by a listing, like whether it's the images or whether it's the copy, I'm like, Oh, that's exactly what I was you know, looking for. Or that solves my pain point. So in my mind as private label sellers, we really need to be you know, I say we, I'm not a private label seller, but we all need to be concerned about that second customer and with our bullet points, maybe with our title, 
what can we do to make that emotional connection where we, we, we hit their pain point or what they're looking for? Is that kind of like your mentality when you're making these listings? Yes. And boy, there's a ton. There's a lot to be done. Uh, first of all, be specific. I can't tell you how many times I have seen people just write ordinary, vague statements that won't convince anybody to do anything. So you need to drill down on the features and the benefits, not just list them, but why are they important? Uh, overcome objections. If you've seen something in reviews on Amazon or off of Amazon, um, if price is a concern, maybe go with something that highlights the quality and justifies why paying more is going to bring so much more value. Like um, maybe something like with 14 gold connectors, ABC brand charging cables, regulate electricity to prevent shorting out your device. Yes, they cost a little more, but not nearly as much as replacing your phone. Or, you know, some, I'm, that's off the top of my head, but something like that. Um, you need to differentiate. There are so many private label sellers that have gotten the identical products as 100,000 other private label sellers. So use your copy to tell people why yours is how you've made it different. Did you get it in different colors than other people have? Have you upgraded yours to have additional features? Are you including some sort of bonus? Um, statements like, unlike ordinary, whatever, plastic cups, that's your brand product offers this, that, and the other thing that the other seller may not have or not as good as yours. Or thanks to its advanced uh, manufacturing process, this plastic cup set offers premium quality, blah, 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 you know, and, and language like that uses it. You could do lifestyle uses in your copy, in the bullets, the description, or wherever you want to put them. That's one thing that makes infomercials so successful is because people are watching the demonstration and it's incorporating lifestyles. The whole time the hosts are talking about, yes, this beautiful woven basket set will hold magazines and keep your living room more organized. But look, it goes flawlessly into the laundry room and, you know, take it upstairs to your kid's room to house all the toys or headed to the beach, throw your beach gear in your brand new basket and off you go. You know, there's more than one way to use almost every product, not every single one. But if you can think of those lifestyle uses that will bring more value People will say, hey, I'm not just going to pay $44 for something to hold my magazines. Look how much use I'm going to get out of this basket. So, I mean, all sorts of ways. I could sit here and name some more. Do you want to hear some more? <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. But, but where these things come from, if you're not an expert on the field of which you're selling, which sometimes might be the case, you know, back in the day, you just pick whatever you're passionate about, and then you could probably make a buck on it on Amazon. But now it's about finding those niches that there's mm -hmm. an opportunity and it very well could be on something you have no idea what to do. So how do you, you know, if there's a seller out there who, who wants to investigate what's on people's mind and I, and I know we didn't rehearse this and I'm really hoping you, you answer this in a way that I'm wanting you to answer, but <laughs> you might not, but what is no a great pressure. way, what is a great way that somebody could do the research into the niche to find out those things that you just mentioned. My fingers are crossed. My fingers are crossed. My fingers are crossed. Google. What's she going to say? Google. Okay. 
I'm going to say Google. Um, there are lots of ways that you can find that information out. You could go to other websites that sell similar products and look at that. You could go through the reviews of products on Amazon or Aha, on other sites. That's what I was yep. hoping you'd say. <laughs> yep, or Google, or Google it and find out. I mean, you're looking for, for the lifestyle uses, you're looking to add value. So the more ways somebody perceives that they can use your product, the more likely they are to pay for that particular product. If somebody just says it's a beautiful basket, it's hand woven out of 100% cotton with a reinforced handle, and it's $67.99 because it's handmade in India or wherever, and you start naming all these different things about the basket, even if yours is a little more expensive, chances are they're going to go with yours because now look, I can do all these other things with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I was happy that you said about the reviews because oh, I yeah. actually don't know. Do, do you use Helium 10 when you're optimizing you know, listings? Well, maybe it was Manny I was on with that I was telling that story. Yes. Marketing words. Uh, all the writers at Marketing Words use Helium 10. Have you, se- have you seen that new feature or not new? It, it's newer feature like in the last four months under the review downloader, the, the tab that says analysis. Have you have you seen that yet? No. And I'll Ooh, have to go good. look at it. I'm not usually the one in there doing the review analysis that the writers do that, but. All right. So check this out. I'm going to describe what it does. And you tell me if this is as amazing as I think it is, but basically (laughs) uh, that's how I use, you know, to, to go find what's on buyer's mind. So of course we could just download reviews and and I I tell everybody out there, whether you use helium 10 or not, just like Karen said, you've got to do this research. You've got to look at your, your competitor reviews or or reviews of similar products in your niche to, to see what's on the buyer's minds. But now you can do on Helium 10, you use the Chrome extension, you hit review downloader, and then look at all the reviews. And then you hit one button, it's called analysis. And what that does is it gives all of the three, four, and five word phrases that appear the most in all of the oh, reviews. Yeah. So isn't it, that, that's helpful because the, the very first time I use it, I t- I've told this story a hundred times. The very first time I used it for a collagen peptides product there was a bug because the number one phrase that came up in the reviews, it wasn't collagen peptides. That was like number two or three. It was in my coffee. And I was like, what in the world in my coffee? And then I actually clicked on it and it showed me all of the reviews that said in my coffee. And then from there, I discovered that all these people are mixing their collagen peptides in their coffee. And I had no idea. And, and that's the kind of keyword that you wouldn't find in your you know, product research or, or, or keyword research. I'm sorry, right. because that's not something people search for, but that's something that they think about. So it kind of sounds like what you're talking about is a lot of the times in our listing, we need to make sure that we're addressing what the person is thinking about, not necessarily what they're searching for, because those two things can be different, right? Exactly. And I have seen that. I didn't know that it was called the review analysis, but okay, yeah, cool. I, I had, we, we do do that. So I, I've seen that before too, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's why sometimes you, you know, you want to rearrange the order of your bullets or something to that effect. You want to tweak what's in there. Maybe with those lifestyle uses that we were talking about, Uh, You find something with the review analysis and it says in my coffee, you want to go back and tweak that bullet point to include in my coffee because people are going to go, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I could put this in my coffee. Cool. Completely switching gears just because that's what I like to do. How is writing a listing on eBay different than Amazon? 
Oh my gosh, that would be an entirely different <laughs> in, podcast. In, in like two minutes or less, in like two minutes or less, just r- real brief. There are virtually no terms of service on eBay. <laughs> so you can do pretty much anything you want to. Um, it doesn't, I don't think it takes as much copy to sell something on eBay as it does to sell most things on Amazon. The ranking structure is completely and totally different. So it's not as complex or difficult to rank product listings on eBay as it is on Amazon. Uh, there are a lot of differences. And, and HTML is really important on, on eBay, right? Yeah. Okay. I know in Amazon, the description is very, very limited. The, the amount of HTML you could use, like, what is it? Bold and line break. And that's about it, right? Or italics. Not even, uh, not even bold. Not the even only, bold, huh? The only legal tags are the paragraph tag and the, la- and the line break tag. Um, although uh, I have never seen anybody get slapped for using bold or italics that I have seen a lot of people get slapped for using colored text and emojis. Oh, okay. And one last thing now, before we close this out is titles. When I went to the Amazon boost conference, they told me that they're going to start enforcing that sellers put their brand name as the first word of the title. And if they don't see that on sometimes they're going to actually go in there and change your title and then kind of like lock it down. And for a while, I never saw that happening. You know, this was months ago, but then in the last couple of months in our Facebook groups, I'm hearing, Oh man, Amazon went in and changed my listing. And now I can't change it back. Have you, have you heard about this happening? And are you, because of it, are you always trying to make sure the brand now is in the first word of the title? That has been, we've been having reports of that for about six months maybe a little bit longer than that. So I don't know if Amazon was testing it before they decided to roll out a full launch, which would be typical Amazon. They've they've done that with a lot of things in the past. Um, We have not, we started putting the brand name first and quite honestly, most of our clients would come back and say, we don't want this here, take it out. And we would explain and they would say, "Mm, if they come back and slap us, then we'll change it. So um, we're, the client has the, the credit card and they're the boss. So we explain and we educate if they choose not to do it that way, then they get their way. I have not heard of anybody who has lost their editing privileges for their title because of it yet. But if it is going to become an official policy rolled out across the board, that's probably coming. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Can you give me any numbers or a cool story about there, somebody had a listing, one of your you know, clients maybe had a listing, they were making a thousand bucks a month. And then just by changing the copy in it, you know, doing a revamp of their listing, it increased their sales by 50% or something like that. Do you have any, anything like that, that you can think of off the top of your head, just to kind of sh- illustrate the power of copy in a listing? There was a seller. The first thing that comes to mind is, is a man that uh, I don't remember what country he was in, maybe Portugal and selling his children's supplements on Amazon and contacted us to completely rewrite his listing, which is usually not something that I recommend, but he was making maybe one sale every six months. So there wasn't too much to lose by ripping everything out and starting over. And when we did that with the new listing, within 24 hours, he had made three sales and it just kept going up and up and up from that. So uh, it didn't take very long at all for that listing to get ranked and to begin to optimize because 
it just wasn't highlighting all the benefits of the medication and how different this was than some other children's supplements that were already listed on Amazon. So that one, I mean, three, three sales in 24 hours after you've gone three months or six months with one sale. And then I don't, I can't tell you what his conversion rate was after this listing had been in play for several months, but it's still up. This was over, I'd say it was over a year ago. And that same listing is still up. And every now and then I get emails from him saying how excited he is that it's still working. So. All right. That's great to hear. Yeah. Guys, copy is so important. It's something that's overlooked, but just the, the right copy can, can give it infinite increase to your sales. That guy went from like 0.2 sales a day to, you know, 10 X pretty much, even if he was only at three, four sales a day. So if this was a very, you know, quick podcast here, if people want more information or to get some advice from you or to, to possibly utilize your services, how can they reach you, Karen? You can go to marketingwords.com and in the services menu, you'll see all the different types of copywriting. Marketing Words is a copywriting agency. We do all sorts of online copywriting. We specialize in Amazon listings, but we do a lot else as well. So you can find what you're interested in in the services menu or be sure to stop by the blog, uh, marketingwords.com slash blog and find a lot of great information for Amazon sellers and online marketers. Excellent. Excellent. And Karen uses Helium 10 guys. So uh, if you're going to, you, if you want to do copywriting on your own, that's definitely a starting place because if a professional uses it, you could use it too. Karen, thank you so much. And we're going to probably have you on hopefully in a, in a few months. And I'd love to talk maybe about Walmart listings or eBay listings or some other things that Amazon sellers might find interesting, but thank you for your time and we'll see you soon.